Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Jason Krause holds a master's degree in counterterrorism and homeland security. He worked as a government contractor, conducting background investigations, as well as investigating financial crimes for Ernst & Young. But while he may have been the most unlikely person to have written a children's book about a rescue dog, that's exactly what he's done. Now he's on a mission to educate kids and schools about the rescue world through his story about his dog, Gibson, a.k.a. Bubbins. Jason, welcome to the studio of Dog Save the People. So happy to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I have to say, I don't think that we've had on our show yet somebody with a master's degree in counterterrorism and homeland security. And your background is is absolutely fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, as a kid, you know, I loved playing with little green army men. Uh Uh-huh. Love G.I. Joe. You know, growing up, I, I always wanted to be that, that FBI agent, that, that CIA agent. Uh-huh. And uh, so essentially, I went to University of Maryland. I studied criminology. Uh, when I came out, um, I was a uh, background investigator for the U.S. government for security clearances, all the way from confidential to top secret. I was lucky enough to be a 23-year-old running around the Pentagon, the very DEA, cool. DIA, and some other very interesting facilities. Wow. Very cool. And then from there? I decided that I wanted to continue to advance in that field. Got my master's degree in counterterrorism and homeland security. So that was in Israel? That was in Israel, yep. Yeah. Two years I lived in Tel Aviv. Wow, very cool. What a great experience. So when I came back to the States, I actually ended up taking a job with Ernst & Young um, in their financial crimes practice. So I did financial crimes investigation and sanctions evasions investigations at different banks. And you're married now? I am married now. So I want to fast forward to the beautiful story about how you met your dog, Gibson, and how he came into your life. All the credit goes to my wife. I was actually traveling for work. I was, at the time, working for Ernst & Young, and I was in Chicago, and I was actually traveling Sunday through Friday. So I wasn't really home very often. And almost holiday time, and she had been saying, you know, I really want to do something nice. I want to do something nice. And one day she called me and she said, I found this dog online. He's 10 years old. He's got thyroid cancer. They're looking for someone to take him and essentially do hospice for him. Right. And I had always been a a dog lover. Mm -hmm. Did you have a dog growing up? I did. So we actually... When I was younger, my neighbor had rescued a dog from the pound that was, you know, the time it was referred to yes, as the pound exactly. that yeah. was uh, going to be euthanized and she was elderly and she had actually passed away. But a lot of times that dog would come, he would literally run into the backyard and run into our home on the deck <laughs> and he would eat dinner with us sometimes. Oh, I love it. Those were the days when dogs just kind of ran freely through the neighborhood. Exactly. So Teddy was my, <laughs> Teddy was my first dog and uh-huh. he lived to about 18 years old. Oh, beautiful. And we had two dogs after that, uh, you know, both Bichon Friezes. Uh-huh, so, sweet. You know, at the time, I, you know, when Michalina said she wanted to adopt this, this dog, I always like doing nice things, especially for animals. You know, I just had one question for her. I said, what kind of dog is mm-hmm. it? And she said, it's a pit bull. And yeah. quite honestly, when I heard that it was a pit bull, there was a lot of different emotions and a lot of different thoughts that went on in my head. Because growing up, you know, my father, he owned insurance underwriting business and insurance people, pit bulls, you know, Rottweilers, German yes. Shepherds, you know, stay away from them, stay yes. away from them, stay away from them. 
and what I'd heard in the news media, you know, pit bulls are dangerous. And of course, with the whole Michael Vick thing, you know, yeah. dog fighting, I basically asked her, you know, I said, I'm not going to be home very often. You know, are you sure this is a good idea? Are you sure you can handle this? And she was like, you really don't know what pit bulls are all about. And it's turned out that she was 100% correct. That's amazing. So she, so the holidays were coming and she wanted to do a good deed. She wanted to give back somehow. Absolutely. He came into your life. What was it like when he first came home? So it was, it was more like when I first came home. Uh -huh. so, so she had actually gone and got him. And when I came home from Chicago one weekend, I remember walking in the door with my, with my luggage bag and just this, this dog with these piercing yellow eyes and he was skinny and he just sniffed me and I, you know, I kind of let him sniff me and yeah. then I, you know, I pet him a little bit and then he just walked away and essentially he ignored me. He was, Perfect. he was obsessed with my wife and yeah. you know, I was just the guy who showed up uh, on the weekend yeah. for, for a few weeks, you know? You mentioned that in the beginning he would be sleeping with her or on her. That was what was so amazing to me is here you hear, you hear all this information about pit bulls and they're so vicious and meanwhile i've never in my life seen a dog cuddle somebody like yeah. this. And cuddling yeah. is is not a word that i use lightly i mean literally between <laughs> her legs on top we're just like laying there love it. looking up just oh, basically saying thank you that's beautiful and so he came into your life and he was basically very bonded with your with your wife michalina absolutely and you mentioned to me earlier an experience that you had. You were working and working very hard and traveling, and you had just found out that your work was going to continue to take you away from home, and, and something happened. Absolutely. So it wasn't the first moment he and I were alone. My wife was actually finishing up acupuncture school, so she had oh, cool. to go to class over the weekend. And that's when I found out that I would have to keep traveling to Chicago, which was that Sunday through Friday grind, yeah. that being away from yeah. my family. And I just remember literally just deciding to lay on the floor <laughs> and look up at the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting on the couch and much to my surprise, he got up and he just slowly walked over to me. He started licking my face and he literally laid down right next to me and he let out this big, this big, hmm, like this big oh, grunt. Oh, I love that. And in that moment, it's really when things changed for me about, you know, our relationship that, that we had. I could really tell that he had this innate understanding of how I was feeling and he really came over to consult That's me. incredible. Yeah, it was. And you also had mentioned that in that grunt and in that kind of satisfaction that here's this dog that's been through hell and back and that he just found, he had found happiness and contentment and there was a lot of, a lot of lessons in that for you. Absolutely. Who was I to complain? I was working for, you know, one of the best companies in the world, right? Yes. Making a very nice salary, having a, a very nice future. You know, I was actually going to ask my wife to, my, my wife now, that I was going to ask her to marry me in about two weeks. Uh -huh. So, which is one of the reasons I didn't say no to Gibson because right. you know, I was looking to make sure yeah, she was happy, absolutely. right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, he, he woke me up. He made me understand that if he had gone through all of this and he had never had any control of his life and what had happened to him, then how could I possibly feel bad for myself? And if there was anything that I truly wanted to change, then it was truly on me to make that change. And I had the power to make that change, unlike he did at the time when he was going through his rough period. Exactly. Because dogs, animals in general don't have a choice most of the time. Absolutely. And it's up to us to 
be their guardians and to take care of them. And that is such a huge lesson and really a big part of what your story is about and about your book. Mm -hmm. So first of all, Gibson has a nickname. He does. And what is that? It is Bubbins. Bubbins. And how does how did he get the name Bubbins? So my wife and my sister-in-law are obsessed with friends. And, <laughs> and Chandler, I believe he, he had a nub on his back. And uh, Gibson had a little nub on his nose. Uh-huh. So they started calling it a nubbin. Right. And then we would just call him Bubbies, you know, right. as, as like a nice yeah. little nickname. So those two names kind of merged and he became Bubbins. Bubbins. I love it. Absolutely. So... From this time of working and traveling to now, somewhere along the way, you decided to write a book about Bubbins. I did. So, what was that like? How did you How did you get to that place? So, believe it or not, the masters in counterterrorism played a huge role in this, and I don't think many children's books, you know, have that connection. No. But when I was learning about counterterrorism and you know how to stop what was going on. We would talk about cutting off the finances, cutting off the supplies, how to intercept intelligence. But really, the only thing that worked significantly was education. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I went to. I need to make sure that dogs in the future don't have to go through what Gibson went through. And my way of doing that was through education. Because obviously I support dog rescue, right? You know, 51% of profits from all book sales, all apparel sales go to rescues. But rescue, unfortunately, is it's triage. Yes. Because there are probably more bad people out there, unfortunately, than there are good people attempting to rescue these dogs. Yeah. You know, every time a dog has a litter, we're not talking about one or two dogs. Right. We're talking about, you know... A significant number of dogs. Yeah, it keeps coming at you. Exactly. And I really believed, and still believe, of course, that there needs to be a combination of taking care of dogs who need help now, but also investing in the future and ensuring that dogs don't even have to go through the whole hardship of growing up in a bad home, you know, being kicked out of the house or dropped off at a shelter and maybe never making it out alive. You're basically, through your background, you've decided to target the future dog owners. Exactly. Of the world. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about the book. And, and the name is? It is Belly Rubbins for Bubbins. <laughs> I love it. It is a children's yes. book, absolutely. But <laughs> funny enough, I can't tell you how many adults have sent me messages through my website uh-huh. telling me the impact that it's had on them. Wow. Because it relates so much to the story that their dog has. It is a children's book, but it is one of the first, I believe it's the second children's book to ever talk about the journey of a rescue dog from a bad home to a shelter and then to the loving home. It's not somebody found the dog wandering around the street or the dog, you know, just happened to appear at their door. Yes. You know, this, this is really a book that is meant to start a real conversation about a real issue. And the way that it's crafted opens the door for a conversation with a, with a parent or, you know, with a teacher in a school, because I don't think that in America we can continue to afford to not face our issues head on. And where does, you know, where does the change start? It always starts with education. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
I feel that for like I have well, I have five nephews, but I have three that are on the younger side, and this is like the perfect book for them. And they're dog lovers, they're animal lovers. Um, actually, two are veg- a vegetarian, and yet I don't think there's anything like this in their education in their school system. And to me, the idea of somebody like yourself coming into the schools and sharing this story is just, it's a beautiful thing. And I watched a video of you going into a school and you came in with a stuffed animal version of Gibson with the clipped ears and all, Mm -hmm. and the kids all hugging him. Mm -hmm. And to me, again, like they're just, you're reaching them on a level that they can understand and relate to. And you're not talking down to them. The book is very much in their wheelhouse, in their language, in their level of, of what they can understand. And kids are so open. And I just, I think that this is such a brilliant, brilliant thing. Thank you. I, I really do. That. I mean, one of the biggest messages within the book is positivity and believing that things are going to get better. And I think that so many people have gained so much insight from their dogs because they have that attitude that things are going to get better. Things are okay. Yes. You know, and I think that kids can really, you know, grasp onto that message also. You know, it's not just talking about a dog. It's talking about in any situation. You can see, you know, a lot of times when you read a book to children, you know, they're whispering to each other or they're looking around the room. But I mean, the look on these kids' faces, they're engaged and and they're invested. And when he gets those belly rubbins at the end, you know, they're all, they're all so relieved as if, you know, that as if Bubbins is their dog. Yeah. And so we were speaking earlier, you are working on almost like a curriculum Mm -hmm. to bring this into schools in a much bigger way. Can you speak to that? So one night, probably about a month and a half ago, my wife and I were sitting down and I kind of had this realization that the kids who needed to read this book the most would really never have someone purchase it for them. Right. So the only way that they would ever become educated on this subject and have a chance at becoming someone who was kind to dogs instead of someone who ended up kicking their dog out, who ended up at a shelter, right, or beating them up or making them into a dog fighter or whatever, that they had to get educated in, you know, in the schools or in a public library or, or something like that. It had to be offered to them because no one was going to, no one in their family or their inner circle would probably ever bring it to them. And so I said, you know, we got to try and see if we can, you know, get this into public libraries or schools and, you know, make, make this available to these kids. That's when I kind of hatched the idea for the Adopt a District campaign. And the Adopt a District campaign, what it will be is that for every $5,000 that we raise, We're going to be donating 400 copies of Belly Rubbins for Bubbins, a humane education video program, three Common Core lessons, lesson plans surrounding the book, as well as a Bubbins humane education mascot, which is that Bubbins stuffed animal. So when that that stuffed animal comes to your classroom, you know, you're all amped and ready to learn about humane education. And, you know, you can learn how to pet the dog and that, that, you know, the video, it really covers all, all the bases that probably aren't being taught in schools. You know, what is a rescue dog? What is a shelter? How to approach a dog? When to approach a dog? Especially when are you allowed to approach a yes. dog? Right? What is the process? Yes. You know, and how you can get involved and how you can help spread the word on being kind to all living beings. How do you think that we can learn to be less judgmental 
and more accepting of pit bulls? And then also just in the larger scheme of things, how does your experience with Gibson, how can that be applied to life in general on, on a larger scale? When Gibson came into my life, I think I had a lot of sure thoughts about things. This is the way it was. Mm -hmm. And it just changed my world because I said to myself, if this is what I had been taught and this is what I had been shown and this is what had been drilled into me, what else was I not being fed the truth about? And I've really cleaned up my life in general because of that. I've lost 40 pounds. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I changed my entire diet. Uh-huh. I changed my exercise regimen. I'm more into mental health now and, you know, guarding what I'm listening to, what I'm watching to, the sources of media that I am getting mm-hmm. information from. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from the fact that the way that pitbulls have been portrayed. And a lot of other dog breeds as well. It's not just sure. pitbulls, you yeah. know, Rottweilers, German Shepherds. Yes. You know, it, it's really not true. Yeah. And it's really a case-by-case basis. And it all starts with when that dog is young and what experiences they go through, just like a human. Yes. So there's a wonderful idea and quote here from you about how when Gibson came into your life and him having cancer, that you wanted to give him a good ending to his life. Instead, he gave you guys a new beginning and a new perspective on yours. And I can't believe he's still around. So how, how old is he now? He's about 12 and a half, uh-huh. 13, and he's still going pretty strong. <laughs> and he's, he's amazing. And just from anyone who knows me, you know, over the last two and a half years of having him, and my wife too, we've really transformed. We've started to look at life differently and think about what really matters and you know, make our own decisions, not just what society tells us to do. Or, you know, I like to say that sometimes I feel like we're put on a train track and there are certain stations in life. And certainly having Gibson come into my life wasn't one of those stations that was planned. Right. And I feel now that we're instead driving an off-road vehicle, and, yeah. you know, going where we want and figuring out life on on our terms and trying to make a difference in the world and and put some positivity in there instead of, you know, just going for that big house or that fancier car or that, you know, that, that fancier lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and I do believe that you can have everything. I really do. I believe you can be philanthropic and I also believe that you can live an amazing life. And I applaud everyone who is able to achieve that where they are fulfilled on both sides of their lives. What comes of it comes of it. And that's, that's another thing that I kind of learned from, you know, from Gibson coming into my life is that the best things in life are kind of unplanned. And, you know, writing a, a children's book about a rescue pit bull certainly was not something that was planned in my life. Right. But it's been one of the biggest blessings that's ever come my way. That's incredible. Jason, where do we find you on social media? The main hub for us is definitely Instagram. The account is the.real.bubbins. You can also find us on Facebook, Belly Rubbins for Bubbins, and of course our website, www.bellyrubbinsforbubbins.com. Good for you. Thank you. I really applaud your work. Thank you. And I wanted to say, if there's anybody listening out there that works in schools or in the educational system, I would highly recommend and really encourage you to reach out to, to Jason, because 
this kind of work is so inspiring and I feel like it has a home in, in every school, in every school district. They can uh, reach me if they'd like, jason at bellyrubbinsforbubbins.com. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And I love your story and your background and how this dog and his story has changed your life, but also is changing the lives of, of so many other dogs. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was so interesting meeting Jason because his background is this very intense, really fascinating, almost like a TV type personality. Homeland Security and counterterrorism, and he comes in and he's quite a, a big guy, and yet he is a teddy bear. And what's so beautiful is that his life has been transformed by this dog, and he has reprioritized his life. He and his wife are on this wonderful journey together, and she's inspiring him, he's inspiring her, and together they are spreading this amazing message and really getting the story out about the beauty and the hope of rescue dogs thank you for listening to this episode of dog save the people a podcast about how dogs make our lives better this show is a production of as it should be a content studio it's made with the support of our producer and editor jack summer special thanks to our composer and neighbor daniel lampert for creating the music for the show you can subscribe to dog save the people on apple podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.